1: forever <laughs> welcome to the confederacy of dunks
0: basketball, basketball podcast.
1: podcast i am your host with a new intro freddie oh. who
0: sir are you the producer mad duncan and uh yes that is uh, definitely what the slogan of this franchise should be now that we can't say back to back anymore
1: yeah, Thanks. it felt right. I thought about it for a while. Yeah. Um, it was almost Kawhi lost. But then I'm like, <laughs> I can't ride with that forever. That's not right. Um, and as you'll see, I get called out a little bit later in the pod for being a bit skip Bayless. Yeah. Whoa. What? I bought some petty today and that's okay. A little, little Tom Petty. Um, yeah. Matt, uh, you know, w- w- we got a lot of uh, cool stuff people need to know. Um, why, don't, why don't you just give them a, Throw a fastball. Uh, give, give him the gist.
0: Well, you know, we are now on the Sonar Network, which you can go to the sonarnetwork.com and listen yep. to us there. And then you can go to dunkspodcast.com and you can see all our links or listen there as well uh, for Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the good stuff. And uh, all, you know, we got a nice slick link list of uh, pod catchers. You know, we're on Super most of slick. them. It's real slick. And we're also on YouTube if you want to watch this episode, you know, it's starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, we, you know, we're getting a lot closer to being able to, to buy a house with our uh, YouTube bucks. Yeah, so we're handsome, so yeah, there's that. <laughs> so if you want to listen and watch there, you can, or you can just keep listening on your subscribe podcatcher as well. Check out our Patreon. You can support us there. And, you know, maybe winter's coming as well. Game of Thrones, no longer on the air, but our toques are on the air. So you're going to want to <laughs> contact they're us. they're not itchy, right? They're not itchy. That? These are non-itch toques, okay? First th- first of their kind, if you ask me. Oh, my God, only of their kind. Yeah.
1: First like non-wool a, toque. It's like a Eurovision song that's just so original. Yeah, yeah? absolutely. So, yeah, um, check it out. Yeah. Check it out, support, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And before we jump into the pod, I just wanted to share uh, a pretty positive and cool, enduring story uh, in light of the, um, you know, Black Lives Matter movement uh, and, um, you know, the defund the police movement as well. Uh, And I think we can throw in um, reform the prison system. Uh, to this story as well. But uh, former WNBA player, I'm not sure if she will return to the WNBA um, rookie of the year and uh, 2014 MVP, Maya Moore. Um, You know, she left the Minnesota Lynx to help uh, free the, uh, um, the sorry, his name is Jonathan Irons, who was wrongfully uh, imprisoned. And she fought and fought, and this wasn't attached to any major movement. She, you know, did this with like, she was informed of it and, and fought for this. And uh, yeah, they actually appeared on TV today to announce they have gotten married. So he's out of prison. Um, they're in love and, uh, married. And I don't know, it's just a pretty cool story. It's a reason to fight. It's a reason to support people who are fighting, um, you know, for racial equality and for uh black equality. And uh yeah, I thought it would be a pretty good pretty good news piece to start the pot off
0: with. Yeah, very positive. Wow. Uh, yeah, of course you know, um it's just amazing to see the different ways these players are finding ways to to make an impact. You know? Totally. And you know
1: the WNBA like stays undefeated as far as just oh yeah doing so much and leading the way uh you know socially in every capacity.
0: Yeah. Get yourself but, um, a WNBA league pass and get watching.
1: Do it. Uh, I got it super cheap. Um, and it's really fun and it's just awesome. Yeah. Uh, but Matt, uh, we got a we got a we got an incredible pod. Um, before we, you know what, before we just, before we launch in, yeah. uh, you know, Kawhi lost, we lost. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling as a, as a, as a Raptor fan, as a champion Raptor fan? Are you feeling all right?
0: Yeah. You know, the first thing that I thought of when we lost was uh, it's been a really emotional 27 months for yes. the for the team, you know, going from being swept from by LeBron to Casey winning coach of the year, getting fired, losing to Mark. You know, like it just we haven't really it's been emotional this whole time. And it, you know, it really hasn't ended until now where finally, like this haze is kind of starting to go away and we're able to see things and kind of look to the next step now. But it's just been, it's been a hell of a ride. And, you know, I just, when I got to tell you, uh, when, Casey got fired and it was all like, well, you know, if you go back to our old episodes, it's like, well, I guess we're testing out Nick nurse. He should be good. And it's just been, I could have never predicted, what predict would have happened, you know, with us winning a championship and everything. It's been phenomenal and we just need to, you know, stick with our players, stick with our team. And remember that this is a game and these are human beings. And, you know, there's no reason to, get ugly and nasty just based on a game.
1: Love it. Well said guys, this is Matt is like 27 months. That's such a good encapsulation of what we've been through. It's, I feel like you're, you're like, a you know, a Kiwi or an Aussie <laughs> travel the whole world on your, on your gap year yeah. and you learn so
0: much. It you does feel like that. Yeah? <laughs> um,
1: but, but you know what, Matt, if you feel like we're ready to go, please just give me those sweet words. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So we are here um, on the COD uh, podcast and we're, we're going to get rolling uh, on our very first guest uh, he's done the pod I don't know a bunch of times he's amazing he's a hardcore Raptors fan uh, I think probably you know as hardcore as it gets uh, you probably know him from the blind spot and a bunch of other things he's amazing get as loud as you can at home even if you're by yourself for Ennis Esmer
0: For your world champion Oklahoma City Thunder, Shea Gilgis Alexander. I
2: was just just predicting. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I was just uh, foreseeing the 2022 NBA Finals.
1: Ooh, uh, I like that.
2: The Thunder against the Raptors.
1: You came in like hard, announcer. There, that was good. I mean, that
2: that music was really begging for it. Really, for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Honor. Uh, Yeah. Herbie. Um, I don't know what to say. Ennis he's is he's out. Ennis is a rising star, and sometimes you, you just can't handle the shine.
2: You um, should hear my uh, uh, accurately uh, dialectically accurate pronunciations of names. It'll blow your, blow your oh hair back.
1: yeah! I don't know though, uh, Her, Herbie can rock that. Um, yeah, that's his. Uh, it's his big thing. We all know the uh, the enunciation on Andrea Bargnani. Um, yeah. but we can forget about that because we got big things to talk about. Yeah, uh, let's bring on guest number two. Uh, he's hilarious. I mean, also pretty damn hardcore as far as rappers fans go. Uh, You know, he was uh, one of the people who actually waited by the stage uh, in the parade. (laughs) I think it was quite the ordeal, but he made it out there uh, alive. Um, We watched game game six together. It was amazing. We watched game seven together. This game six and game seven. It was also amazing. It was harder. But, um, yeah, with no further ado, Hilarious stand up comedian. He's amazing. Give it up for Alex Wood. This one's much lower energy. Hey guys, how are you? Thank you for having me.
3: I'm really excited. Um, uh, no problem. Yeah, sorry. Is this, I just want to make sure that's it.
1: Oh. Up. So
3: this is one from opening night. Isn't that like, I didn't that's even a, have to buy it.
1: That's a pretty yeah. shiny ring. Is that a replica championship ring that's you're wearing, legit. Sir?
3: Why, yes, it is. From the Toronto Raptors 2019 NBA championship run.
1: That's right. We did just win a championship last year. That was not. Nice.
2: Uh-huh. I, I, I keep mine upstairs. I keep mine upstairs. It's in a humidor. I can't wow. take it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, like an, it's like an RSP. I can't take it out until the next time the Raptors get to the finals or else they tax me for it.
1: I have a picture with me and my oldest brother Francisco with the Larry O'Brien trophy. Oh yeah. No one can take that away from me. Pry that picture from my cold, dead hands. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Do you have a hard copy of it or just- I I don't, I don't. (laughs) And I hope I don't die either. okay cool let's uh let's jump right into it uh Matty, I know you got- hope
2: you I hope you don't die also can we get that out of the way yeah, thank you let's like- let's all live forever guys let,
1: <laughs> let me just do a quick check before we jump into raptors yeah. alex matt, do you you hope I don't die as well?
3: yeah, no, definitely not I hope you don't die soon. Cheers. Matt, Matt. Yeah. Like high
0: hopes that you don't die.
1: Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's jump into, uh, some Raptors talk, Maddie. I know you got some kind of Raptor sting, whatever you got. Would you give it to me?
0: Hashtag RTZ. The
1: hard hashtag RTZ. <laughs> Meow. Um, Love that.
2: This you know is, that's the uh, same music they use for uh, uh, on location, on uh, on camera, uh, on cinema, at the cinema with Tim Heidecker and Greg
0: Kinnear. Oh, Turgenton. that's funny. You're the well. We've also been told it's used on Conan. Oh, hilarious! Which it's just is, it's just like a, a, a an Apple loop you can get on GarageBand. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is a
1: popular a- track for <laughs> folks who are feeling silly. Is
0: yeah, what definitely. I'm determined.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. I think it's an homage. They definitely probably, Tim Heidecker probably listens to the show. As, oh, absolutely. They're yep. They're probably huge back. Raptor fans. And they just, <laughs> just in case you wanted to contact them for some publishing rights.
1: I, uh, I missed the opportunity to say absolutely. He listens. Yeah, to there it is. Um, so sorry. That feels like a smarmy wienery joke. But uh, <laughs> still hope uh, you don't die. Still hope you don't die. Yeah. Right. I don't deserve it. Um. Ennis, let's let's jump right in. Okay, this, I'm still in. I'm still in proud of this team mode. I'm still in Kyle forever mode. Uh, our future is bright. Uh, we'll get to the Celtic series in just a sec. Um, but this year was absolutely in, insane. Um, Ennis, I'm going to go to you first. I don't even. I don't even want to list off the moments. But I mean, just a couple. We got. We got. We had a ring ceremony. Um, we had a 15 game win streak. We had like a once in a once in a basically several decade comeback. Uh, we had the emergence of stars, uh, coach of the year. Um, yeah, there's so much more still. Uh, Annis, what's your favorite, not necessarily moment of this season, but like thing? Like what? What are you feeling that's positive?
2: Well, gentlemen, you caught me at a particularly uh, petty moment because uh, nothing else to me right now is going to top the fact that the Los Angeles Clippers (laughs) did not get any further in the playoffs than the Toronto Raptors. As far as I'm concerned, we just uh, repeated as champions. That's (laughs) I I stayed up all night. I actually was invested in the game because, you know, Friday was kind of dark. We lost that tough, tough game and the Clippers go up 3-1 and everyone starts talking about LA versus LA and all Mm -hmm. the preseason hype looks like it's going to come to come to pass. And then look what happens on the weekend, 19 point lead, 16 point lead, uh, Denver comes back. And suddenly I realize that if the entire American media landscape is wrong, if all the expectations and hype and Patrick Beverly, you know, don't talk to us videos are wrong, that's pretty much like he should have stayed here. It's now empirically obvious that he should have stayed here. And I think that's really, it's the best consolation prize I can think of. So I'm kind of just floating on that, that we had a better regular season record than the Raptors, uh, the Clippers, and they got no further than us. And quite frankly, got destroyed in their game seven. So while I have no personal animus towards Kawhi, I'm just happy it worked out that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's That's valid. Hell it's valid. My- no, right. Yeah.
2: And it just goes, I mean, what would we have done with him? You know, it just now it's like they didn't get any further than us. So all this talk that he had the X factor and we were losing more than just the scoring and uh, and uh, you know you need that you need that kind of uh, alpha at the end of games didn't help them. Didn't
1: um, help them. Sorry, Ennis. Uh, so it's clear a... to me that Kawhi carried us. We were a bunch of waste men. And Pat Bev and Lou Williams are much better than Fred and Kyle. I think that's what people have learned after this this playoff run. Don't you think?
2: It's selfie videos, I think they might be, but I don't know about it actually playing. Um so
1: that's Alex,
2: it. That, yeah. Pretty I'm, I'm, pretty
1: I'm, I'm jumping to you. Is this like the, are you feeling this overall? Hey, Raptors pettiness is a super important, integral Raptors feeling. And it's, you know what? I don't even want to put pettiness on Ennis because it's an overall feeling of success. I think that, you know, this this like a Kawhi and the Clippers losing and us, you know, losing in the last couple seconds—like that team gave up. Some of their guys asked to be off the quarter in the fourth. That's not how we roll. We don't go down like that. So, like, I definitely think there is—it's pride too. But, but, Alex, I don't want to put, put words in your mouth. Uh, how you feeling? Yeah. Uh,
3: I—I didn't think I would be as happy as I was. To be honest with you, I was conflicted going into the game seven. Uh, I mean, there's no denying I—I I didn't like. I didn't even think there was an overall, to be honest with you, narrative that I saw predominantly permeating across like all intelligent sports talk that quite carried us all the time. Mm. I see mostly balanced takes. I think like Raptors fans get too mad about like 14 year olds on Twitter in America. Sometimes to be honest with you, it's my only criticism of the Raptors fan base. I'm like, start looking at what like important sports talks heads are saying. He d- and he did carry us in the Philly series, no doubt, right? Mm-hmm. So totally, I feel like he never gets like n- neither side's right. Like I-, I, don't like when I've heard people say we could have won last year without him, and I'm like, well, that I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that because I've heard a couple people say that, but that's a- obviously not lunacy that's that a most fairly people do subscribe to. to
1: but wait, wait, sure. Ka- 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 Kawhi aside, what's your favorite part of the season?
3: Opening night. It's I know it's on the nose, but I went and to actually like see the banner going up in the place that you had seen like, like, I, I mean, what was it like? The banner's going up, and like fifteen months ago, I was yelling about Jakob Pertle, like so excited, like Jakob pertle's gonna be the guy to to get us back to the conference finals. He's going to be enough off the bench. He's going to be our sixth. I love Jacob. I still do. He's like, great. He's gonna, yeah. He's going to grow. He's going to be like a fucking double walking, double, double and shit. And, uh, nothing against him, but to think like that <laughs> was the last thing that like pumped me. I was tripping out, you know, just seeing the banner grow up is amazing. They give you the ring, which is incredible. And I went with my friend Adrian and we had gone to game seven against Philly together a bunch of the playoff games together, uh, obviously games for like years and years. And uh, it was just what a payoff. And together our record at Raptors games, cumulatively, like it's actually very special. It is before uh, a bad run this year. It's like 23 and four. It's nuts.
2: Whoa.
1: Yeah. That's, that's and, a pretty deadly like fan those, combo.
3: Those are Nick Nurse uh, playoff record numbers. And remember, this is like a dating back too. This is not like a, uh, like I moved here in 2013. I started going to games the next year. So this is, this, they weren't like always rolling here.
1: Oh God, no. Um, all right. You know, we got it. We got to do it. And I think for people who listen to this podcast a lot, it might be nice to hear me say, you know, as someone who's ragged on Brad Stevens and the Celtics for all these years, (laughs) I do think there's a certain amount of credit where it's due. I thought he coached a wonderful series. Um, and, uh, the Raptors lost in seven. So, you know, I still hate him (laughs) and Celtics fans and, and Celtics, but they did beat us. So cheers to them. Um, I him
2: specifically, or do you just like think the hype is unwarranted?
1: Uh, that I, I hate I hate the hype because but, I really do think he's probably an extremely nice person, yeah. um, but uh, just the overall hype, which to me peaked at, would you rather have Brad Stevens or Giannis Antetokounmpo in your franchise? <laughs> which is three years ago. That was peak. Wow. Peak Brad Stevens is better than any player in the wow. NBA. That was like when it was like Boston, like just when he came out of uh, I think it was Butler. It was the peak of like a coach knows best garbage which i really hate and um yeah anyways but you know he did he did um he did beat us uh and this, i'm gonna go back to you for this one first um yeah uh do you know do you think there's anything we could have done I, I mean i I'll, I'll say this um i do think there are some things we could have done differently i know it's conjecture we lost uh that's kind of why i'm giving the, the credit where it's due but yeah you know how does this play out in a way that Toronto wins in your mind?
0: Well, it's interesting
2: because looking at the empirical evidence, which I am uh, wants to do at all times, because usually mm-hmm. it points in the Raptors favor um, up to and including game one. Uh, I was deeply worried about our chances against Boston because they had killed us all season. And it was those kinds of games where you go, well, the, the Raptors are never going to shoot that well, or that was one game or, or sorry, the Raptors are never going to shoot that poorly again. And yeah. and uh and or the Celtics are never going to hit every shot. And that yeah. seemed to be coming out of every game. Like the Christmas game was like that. The game in the bubble was like that. There was an earlier game where it was just we couldn't hit anything. So at certain points, you know, that, that's a, that's the thing that comes out of most uh, wrap-ups of games that were uh, closer than they had any business being or a shocking upset. It's always like, well, they're never going to hit all those shots all the time. But
1: yeah, good at, point. At, at that's a certain, always a sign of danger when someone's like, yeah. oh, we just missed shots. It's like, <sighs> yeah. It's the process to get those shots, baby.
2: But, I mean, you know, uh, could we have done different things? I mean, I think it's all – it's just we've missed a ton of shots. And it's hard to – looking at Boston's defense and still trying to get an understanding for – like what I'm seeing and what it's the product of and not just being linear with my complaints, like, oh, we're not hitting shots. Like right. you need to pay attention to who's covering on switches and how the defense goes into the paint and then it stops your drive, which stops your kick out. And that means you don't do certain things before that. So I think yeah. Boston had really I think maybe the best defense we played against all season outside of Miami, who maybe just doesn't have the the, the I don't know the key guys like the the three headed monster of like the Marcus Smart and all these threes. Not that they don't have shooters, but mm-hmm. uh, we had a tough time against Boston, and I think uh, that all just came to bear. I, if what we could have done differently, and this is not to knock on anybody, it did seem like Gasol was too slow to handle the series and a step more hesitant on offense than he usually is because he usually yep. pump fakes a three and passes in the first couple of minutes any game anyway. But he was doing – he just seemed way more hesitant. He wasn't taking shots. And I, call me crazy, I, Matt Thomas looked great any time he was on the floor. And in that last game, he was keeping up on defense. And he's way faster than I thought he was because all you see is shots of him shooting. But he finds his spots. His pull-up jump, like two, is also great. And I kind of just – I thought he deserved another five to eight minutes. Like, if he just hits, you know, two, three threes, like, it's a different ball game. And it seemed like we could use that spark, so – that's not a point to the whole series because there's a lot of things that could have gone differently, and and uh, but I think that that's one thing that tangibly in Game Seven I felt like, hold on a second, we could we, we have something they haven't seen yet, throw it at them, and you know they went with their guys, they went with their expensive all stars that got us a chip last year, and I don't begrudge them.
1: Um, I think I, I'm just gonna pass it off to Alex because I feel like I, and it's kind of like you you hit on exactly. Basically, where, where, where I'm at is that, you know, I really feel like Nurse threw the, the the book at them in terms of zones and different coverages, but he didn't throw the book at them in terms of players. And I feel like we got, we exited the bubble having more like, uh, whatever the expression is, more like, you know, shells or, you know, more, more bullets still that we hadn't fired, whether that's Boucher or, you know, yanking Gasol and being like, okay, no one plays as good of zone defense as Gasol, but we have to figure out another way to generate offense we need a crashing boucher or or we need uh you know a wild ronde or whatever like i don't think we threw the book at them and i think we went with our expensive all-stars
2: yeah Um, and i mean you know you gotta i think siakam at some point there was a hope that he was gonna like so many of those layups were almost in like he seemed uh, snake bitten on top of everything else you know there were so many like yes he would. He was like. He was like Jonas in terms of. It, it reminded me of like. He took just a second longer to do the thing. It was like whiplash. Like he was lagging and rushing the movie whiplash, not like the actual condition of whiplash, but you know what I mean. Where he was just constantly like hesitating, but then dry, but then deciding to do something, but then sticking to it and not really not keeping his his uh, you know. It's like mellow when the ball goes to him and it disappears. That kind of rep. Like he just yeah. had it and was like, I have to score now, and then couldn't kick out. But at the same time. It's game seven, the offense wasn't moving without the ball. So what else is he going to do?
1: You know? Totally. And, you, you know, like about Siakam, you could see where he was free on defense because that's just hustle, IQ. He, You know, that's in his body, like his muscle memory. And he's just like, I can defend anyone at any position. I'm the fastest person on the court. I can make a crazy impact on defense. But on offense... You know, you didn't see that like uh, uh, Miguel said on the on the last podcast that Tatum's superpower is his patience. And I think, you know, with with Pascal, you're like, you see that. It's like it's their direct opposite, actually. Um, and I think a part of that was the types of looks he gets and the overall flow of the offense. But, but before we get too far down this road, Alex, um, how do you think we beat the Celtics?
3: I think the defense played like overall pretty well. And I think, Nick was good there. The one adjustment that I I saw them make it about halfway through the series and I I wanted it like early. Like I thought they were killing us. Game one with this is like, and I was surprised it took this long. I thought this was coming all year that they were like, okay, the Raptors, everybody knows we give up the most threes in the league and we get, and they don't, and they shoot the worst percentage against us. Like, so clearly don't take the first look when they're closing at you like a fucking maniac. Like when Pascal or whoever it is, is charging at the three that's wide open, just stay calm, pump, let him go by, take a sidestep. They did that with almost every single three in game one.
1: Yeah. They used our aggression against us for sure.
3: Yes. And I just thought like, I'm surprised it didn't come in that game. And it certainly didn't even come in game two, which was upsetting. I was like, well come on now you how do they not get it where it was all of those looks and then I started to see them almost like close like slow down on the close down or give it that second you know that backhand contest too if you did overrun it and they pumped you mm-hmm. and I mean it's got to be hard playing defense that way right like I think people probably don't appreciate how exhausting it is to play defense the way the Toronto Raptors play defense.
1: That's a fantastic point. I I mean, I think you saw that too, with, you see that on the other end
3: and then even
1: just the IQ too. It's like, we have these five or six guys running like, you know, two or three, you know, zones, like every three or four plays and it's like, they're done. And you have to Mm -hmm. trust other people to facilitate your defense or, or live with the results of extremely Tired offense.
2: Can I ask well, a question to add to this?
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just on
3: the other end, too, I thought, like, the Celtics were giving us the paint, and we weren't taking it. Uh, and that was really frustrating, too, because then in the later spots of Game 6 and Game 7, we were giving them the paint, and they were taking it. And that's real. I mean, how many – Tice got so many easy buckets, even in Game 6 – down the stretch and in game seven, just easy buckets because he was, they were, we were giving it to them and they took it and we weren't taking the paint when they'd give it to us. We stubbornly kept sticking to threes, which I know is our whole offense is predicated off that, but like, well, you can't be, you can't get that. Like, I mean, switch it up. That's the adjustment. And I think Nick will catch up on that end. I I, think this series really crystallized for me. And I know it's how obvious it is, but it's like, especially this series. I was like, Right, this is like a defensive genius who like knows how everything at an opposing offense, and then he's pretty much just good with this like laissez faire, freewheeling. Like we play like a version of like new street ball on offense. You know what I mean?
1: Which is and it's, not, it's so strange though. He was opposite in Houston. He's like the offensive guru. That's I know. he was so, our offensive guy behind uh, under. I Casey. know. Sorry.
3: And that's what's like tripping me out is like this just watching this series, I was like, we're this is not the defense was not problem, all series long except game one really. And, and even then we got through the first quarter, great. It was that second quarter they blew it open.
1: Yeah, totally. And you know, I mean, there was still a lot of that doing kC like triple horn handoff, two smalls. Offense, which I think is is really good and still not enough teams use it. But my whole fear with the Celtics series is like, dude, what are you going to do with the Brown Tatum size advantage? Because Fred and Kyle are six foot and all the smarts and speed and shooting in the world cannot overcome that. Like well, don't, don't forget Klay Thompson, six, seven. Right. So, like a lot of these small ball teams, they still have big guys. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I know Dallas won with like Berea and Kidd, but it's like, that was that. It hasn't happened again. Sorry. And Ennis. you're talking about
3: the, the triple handoff sorry, just really quick. Their defense can switch everything. So, what are you going to do? You're like, well, not if we do it three times.
2: Exactly. No, stop it. <laughs> and Then you just waste 10 seconds. Yeah. But
1: sorry, Ennis, I feel like you had a question.
2: Yeah. On the defensive end, in that in that sense, just looking at how shallow the rotations are, and to be honest, like how much they were working on defense, leading to, if I may, uh, postulate uh, a lot of the turnovers in Game Seven, where you know Serge does that thing where he like kind of passes but doesn't really check, and then turns it over on a pass to Fred. Fred leaps in the air and then gets rid of it. Uh, another hand, another like small little thing that Fred would never usually do, losing the ball. Like you take two of those back. And we win that series. You know what I mean? So that's how oh, close we were. I know. Or you know the box out on Grant Williams. Oh, when Grant Williams was shooting those free throws, I was like, "Oh, we got this. This is good. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get this rebound. Watch this." And it happened, and then we couldn't even get the ball. Like, and then to have Kyle foul out on that, like on 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 uh, another rebound, like, like when Kyle goodness. fouled
1: out, me and Alex knew. It was oh, good. we looked. I mean, at this, was like,
2: yeah. Sorry, it was I'm almost sorry. like we, we were we were beating back an air of in, inevitability. I think because it was the first time since Casey was the coach that I sensed a, a, a kind of stagnation on offense that they weren't able to yes. see their way out of. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm not again. It's not against Casey. Nothing against Casey. Nothing against Nurse. I think they just got thrown so many different waves of things, plus the short rotation making us tired. Mm-hmm. So dare I suggest not just Matt Thomas, but wouldn't somebody who's like a defense like wouldn't Rondé have, have maybe warranted a few minutes. Like, he's great on the boards. He could have helped Terrence us on the offensive Davis? boards. We were, but I mean, even like, I'm talking about size-wise, like to match up yeah. with like a Tatum or a Brown. He had length. He's, he's you know, he's a little sloppy on the offensive end, right? But he's he good have helped. And I, well, I just wonder if you give him uh, eight minutes a game, 10 minutes a game, so that he's spelling Siakam, spelling OG. Like, OG took three shots in game seven, which I don't understand how he only gets three shots, which tells me the offense isn't clicking. So they're not, you know what I mean? They're not yeah. moving around as much because... That's crazy that he only took three shots. Duke could hit, you know, he's scoring twenty points a game when he wanted to. So, I, I wonder if someone, if like because Ron, Ron is sitting right, out, he, he was he was a small ball center. You know what I mean? He played center for Brooklyn. Like, it seemed like one of those yeah. things where I, I wonder. I, I'm asking the group, like, do you think is he so uh, such a uh, minus on offense that like, what do you think? Why do you think Nurse didn't play Ron Day at all?
1: Alex, you want to go first?
3: Yeah, I think it's that he's such a. But that's the thing is they were giving us the paint. I mean, Rondé wouldn't have been the craziest move. He was finishing strong all year at the fucking yes. rim. I didn't mind, Rondé. Uh, yes. Give it a look. As, I, I, and especially when we were getting blown out in game one, I'm like, why aren't why aren't other people out right now? Why aren't mm-hmm. you, like, for so many fucking reasons, you know? And um, also, um, like, anyways, I, I agree uh, with your OG thing too, and one of those shots was an offensive rebound. I if if
2: I yeah you know yeah mean? An attempt to put back right yeah, and he missed them both. If,
3: and fucking uh, sorry, just like I forgot about that rebound. So I uh, my head's really oh sorry it, sorry, I, sorry I'm sorry I went
1: by, I was like oh my god that's right. I know oh. it's like opposite of Kawhi getting a rebound in the Philly series late or in the, yeah. the Bucks series late. Um, yeah. Okay, you know what though. Um, <laughs> I'm
2: sorry, Alex. <laughs> no, I it's okay. See. I, I can't
1: unsee it now, guys. Most, uh,
2: most listeners can't see this, but Alex is really crestfallen. His body, language, is, his body language has changed a lot.
1: But I okay, I'm gonna cheer you the hell up, Alex, because um, I think we all still love Nurse, and we're really happy he signed long term. Absolutely weird transition, yeah. but he is a sick coach, and you know I think we understand continuity is really important for the Raptors. So. I want you,, um, yeah, because so, you're in just a bad meditative place. Let's go to a good meditative place now. and just you know, you don't have to, you know, dot every I and cross every T and tell me what what we're what you know Boucher is gonna get on the open market. But give, give me an idea of of the Raptors team you want for next year and just to kind of set the listeners up um, and set you up. Um before anything happens, um our roster is Kyle Lowry, Norm Powell, Patrick McCaw, likely Stanley Johnson, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Terrence Davis, Matt Thomas, uh Duan Hernandez, and um yeah, that's that's the squad. Uh and that's like eighty-six million right there. So that's a roster. Yeah. I like it. We're- well,
3: I will say based on recent events, my theory that under all circumstances, no matter what, even if there's the emergency break the glass situation, you don't fucking move Pat McCaw. Clearly that man is in tune with the basketball universe in ways we don't understand. And that's wow. just not, a, that's objectively just not true anymore. So we could lose if it comes down to it and Pat has to leave. That's fine. Boy, Pat didn't play.
2: Yeah, he was hurt and we didn't win. So
3: no, I know, but I mean, you got to still think if he's on the roster, that magic should be there.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. So your your main thing this offseason, you focus on Pat McCaw. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, now it's I, I, he's not he's
3: he's no longer safe. He's to me, I cared more about keeping Pat McCaw than Quai. I was like, as long as Pat's here, look at it. His track record is proven. It doesn't matter. Just have them in the building. Something's happening here. This can't be an accident. All right. Uh, hi, and I thought that was funny. Uh, my vision of them next year is, uh, is definitely the same team or thereabouts. I would love if Mark realized his limitations from that series. Like, bro, you had more time than you've ever had off. You're only going to get older, taken at a league minimum. Take like the smallest you can and, and never start a game for us ever again. Hopefully. I, I I think he's got like like eight minutes a game still in him, especially on the defensive end. I'm not going to say that I, I watched a great YouTube breakdown of him. He shut Tatum down in game three.
1: Totally. He we don't win that.
3: game three without him. And I'd love if he takes the league minimum because he, you know, he could get more than that somewhere else but I'm thinking that he loves it enough that he would want to stay here. And I think if he wants anything even significant, we don't give it to him. So I want him to be gone. I don't think Serge Ibaka is done being a good basketball player. And I think we should fucking pay him. I don't, I, and it sends the message out there to, to other UFAs. If you do well by us, we do right by you. I want to see him make good bank on a very, very short deal. Um, and I want us to uh, somehow do that while keeping Fred and enough money to go after splashy free agents. And that means Fred is probably gonna, that's just not possible. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's possible for us to pay Fred, pay Surge, and lure a free agent. I mean, we just know we don't have the money for that. And I think everyone's trying to say, sign Fred. And and then, the, and then the free agent, and I think that's wanting too much. And I think we'll, you know, I hate this term, but Zig while everyone else zags, we'll be a big team if we land, let's say, a Giannis to pair with a Pascal and a Surge It's like that's a gigantic fucking team in this league, but all of those guys can kind of at least kind of stretch the floor. Giannis, not really. But you know what I'm saying? I think yeah. that's the move is to Fred's gone, and I hate it. I don't want it, but he's gone. Like it's going to happen. We all know what team's going to do it and they're going to do it. Say it. Yeah. Say it. The Knicks Team. are going to fucking, the Knicks will pay him $40 ah! million a year. The Knicks Ugh. will pay him like whatever he fucking has. And who wouldn't want to like bet on yourself, swagger. You know what? Kevin Durant didn't want to go rescue the Knicks. Guess who does? Fred fucking Van Bleek. And they're going <laughs> to pay him. They're going to pay him 25 a year. And, uh, if, you, if you're one to think about exponential growth and his youth and everything else, maybe he's not done yet. His defense will never age poorly, it seems. And uh, I don't know. I don't think we're keeping him. And I, I just, I don't think it's the end of us necessarily. I, I I don't think that's a sky is falling. I think it's more heartbreaking than we thought it would be. And it's, it's I, I don't like picturing it right now. I'll say that, but he's gone. We know it.
1: Um, well, I, I
2: definitely disagree.
3: I yeah, Ennis, right in here.
1: Ennis, uh, just, just jump right in with your full off. Just not all about Fred, but give me your yeah. whole picture, like just like Alex did. I want to. I mean, the
2: respectfully, I love the breakdown of it. It makes sense. There's passion in there. There's logic in there. And there's honesty in there. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I got that in, in bunches, but in different in different places. First of all, uh, the main question I actually need an answer to. and I don't know if you guys know it because I read Blake Murphy's uh, phenomenal Blake Murphy's um, Athletic uh, post season cap hold sure. breakdown of what our salaries look like. I read it twice and I still, I think I forgot English after that and math. I don't, I don't understand it. Huh. Uh, the main question I want answered is how much, like how much can we sign Fred for and still have room for a big victory agent? Now, I'm not talking Giannis because if we're being Giannis, um, I just, I just coined that. <laughs> That's right. really nice. That <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's That's
1: be really let's, nice. Let's be Giannis here.
2: Um, There are a ton of, like, the the free agent class in 2021 is like, it's the first two rounds of a fantasy draft. Like, it's crazy Mm -hmm. in terms of how how many players are available. So um, the question is, how much can we sign for and still have money freed up to uh, be a player in that market? So now to that end, I'm going to go the other way and go, I don't think uh, Bobby Webster and Masai let assets go for nothing. And given that... We cannot, just like two, three years ago when we allegedly overpaid Sergi Ibaka, doesn't look like that now, but uh, because we couldn't replace him with anybody else, there was nobody else that could fill that spot because of the way the cap works, we can only overspend on our own guys. And quite frankly, I think Fred's going to get ask for what? Uh, they're, they're saying the Malcolm Brogdon deal, which was four years, 85 million. I think we would be fools not to pay that. And that way we at least have the value of whatever fred van Vliet is to us in the future going forward like the players like that we don't we can't just let him go for nothing and i do feel like the bet on yourself thing has to do with more with him there's a betting on loyalty thing that i feel like is not you know what i mean they're not done here in a way like cuz he's got enough things to feel his personal slights like too small for the boston series uh, is can he be is he can he take that next step uh, would he t- like he feels like the kind of guy who would take less money than the Knicks would offer because money is not as important. You know what I mean? Like I, in a way, uh, yes, I think the Knicks are going to throw in like, a, a, and, and you know, the Detroit and Atlanta, the other teams that have money and need a point guard. I don't see why he would leave a situation when there's this much potential right here, you know? And I, I don't think we can pay, hopefully the, the thing is, I hope we can pay him mark like not that much less than what those teams could offer him. If someone offers him 30 a year, you know, Godspeed, do do you think? But, like, if it's a few million dollars a, a season, that's the difference. The other thing is decreased cap post-COVID, all this stuff. I, I also feel like maybe they could sell him on taking a one-year and allowing them to be freer in the in the offseason. I mean, you might argue that they didn't do that with Siakam and why would Fred take a one-year deal, but that's a bet on yourself, too. Maybe he's done betting on himself. Maybe he's, like... But nobody wants to play for the Knicks. That's the thing. He'd just be taking money to do what? To finish ninth? Like, what are the Knicks? What are the Knicks going to do next year? He's the only free agent. They're not going to get the Davis. Like, if they get well, him, gonna, they're going to sign buddy. Christian Wood. But
3: Knicks when you to, have go to the, the
1: finals, but when you have like, the
3: ring already, when you have the ring already, and you have two kids, and there, as much as he does, bet on himself, believe in himself, he yeah. still knows the way this thing works. And it's like, I can, I can. Max out my life right now, right now. Right.
2: I just think we could offer, I think we could still pay him like four years 80 mil and make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah.
3: I I 20 is my yeah. exact number for him. 20 my yeah. exact number for him. I would, so. I would go to 25 total, but
2: uh 85 total. But uh now to that I'd say Ibaka um is in the same category. You pay him because Worst case, we're in a situation where maybe there's a sign and trade that happens in 2021, where a guy and you know I would love Serge to retire as a rapper, raptor. Maybe I don't know if he raps. Um, uh, I would love Fred to be here for five more years and get paid what he deserves at the same time. Uh, I don't know how much those GIF commercials pay. I'm sure it's a lot.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Million yeah, dollars a, to take, I think. I just
2: got a residual check for four dollars. So I mean, we all know Canadian show business really pays a lot, um, oh, for sure, in the long term. But I, I just don't see Bobby and Masai and the Raptors front office letting go of guys when they don't have uh, uh, really viable replacement options, and when those when they can turn that into future value down the line. I just think there's there's so much at stake that having a guy make twenty three million a year or whatever Surge is going to get or friend's going to get is valuable when you're trying to uh add an all-star superstar in the free agency year from now. Yeah. Um That's
1: my take. Nice. Uh, I mean I was gonna do a little bit of a my own dance here, but I feel like <laughs> Go ahead. well I don't know. I feel like you both have it covered. So the only thing I'm gonna say um is that yeah I don't know what my exact number for Fred is, but I lean more on the side of there isn't a Fred replacement in the market. Um Every team has a point guard they're grooming. Kyle is on going to be on his is next year's thirty million. Kyle the in twenty like twenty one twenty two. That's when the decision and and OG whether we extend him this year. I think you kind of push it. I, I think you push the hard decision basically down the line. And particularly with Giannis, unless he demands a trade this season, the Giannis talk is a year premature. Yeah. So really. As far as like having space for him, I don't know what that number is, but I know that Pascal is on a, um, you know, he's on a, like not, not a, he's not on like a super max. He's on uh, like a rookie, ex- a, max. a rookie extension max. So yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you can have like Fred on a lower, if he's slower than a max and Pascal lower than a max and bring Giannis in if he wants to. And if you need to, The only thing I'm going to say, I feel like you guys totally have it covered. It's kind of a mostly bring it back scenario. I feel like if there's extra money to go around and we miss out, I wouldn't mind a Joe Harris. I wouldn't mind a Montrezl Harrell, but I care way more about Bobby Webster and Masai. So I think that to me is kind of what I'm looking for. Um, and you know, we're 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 gonna draft a player too. Uh Terrence Davis. Uh, you know, how how good is he gonna be next year? So I, I think there's a lot of uh a lot of factors here, but um I also want to talk some NBA stuff. So we got we to keep this train rolling. Is that okay with you guys?
2: And by the way, I'm going to read this and we'll talk about it later. But uh, okay. um, there is, Blake Murphy put out an article four hours ago in The Athletic. I don't know if you have a subscription to that. I guess I'm buzz marketing it. How much can the Raptors pay Fred VanVleet and still have max money in 2021 is the name of the article. So uh, We probably
1: we'll should have read that. We, well, it just came out. I don't know.
2: Uh, the uh, other thing I'll say about Fred is that maybe we can convince him to take the one year because of the dip in the... Uh, whatever max salaries are going right. to be because of the cat. So if he if it's a one more year bet on yourself, that is the tough decision. Though I'll tell you, what do we pay Kyle? I mean, if he keeps That's doing right. this, keep you know he he had arguably his best season as a Raptor this year. You know what I
1: mean the the last That's thing the, the last thing I'm going to say about Fred before we kind of jump to the rest of the NBA is I think when people think about how good he is or what he can be of be be like as a part of our team, they need to really look at the games he played without Kyle Lowry, which is roughly basically 18 points and 10 assists. So you have to like looking forward at Fred, he's not going to be Kyle's 35 or 34. So he's got a couple more years with Kyle tops. Then he's a point guard playing with much bigger guys for the rest of his Mm -hmm. career. Theoretically. Um, okay, let's, let's go, let's go to the NBA because there's still a bunch there. Um, Maddie, uh, I hope you're doing good. If anyone's watching, he's rocking his downtown Magneto on shirt, so I know he's ready for this sting. Maddie, if you got an NBA sting, would you give it to me?
0: Maddie, I gave that Bobby Webster shout out for you. You know what? I really appreciate that that uh, you're including Bobby and Masai together as one big super team. They, well, of I course, mean, that, that perception—that
2: like perception needs to be more widely realized. <laughs> I think uh, Maasai is so deified, uh, rightly so. But Bobby Webster really doesn't get the ink, and you know, I read an article about how he basically engineered the Spurs deal from his contacts when he used to work there to get Kawhi. So he is the GM, besides the president, right? So yeah. people say GM, they still think Maasai because he's got this great persona, but put some respect on
0: Bobby. Ennis, and I know you you've been well you at the
2: front of that you've been at yeah. the front of that train since it left the station, Matt. I know that about you.
1: <laughs> what Ennis just said is basically like he he gave Matt a MDMA pill.
2: <laughs>
0: like that's how good you just made Matt feel. Okay, for um, old my, for old times' sake, guys. When I say Bobby, you say Webster. Bobby. Webster.
2: Webster.
0: Bobby. Webster. Webster. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> We're cool. We're cool. Uh, okay. How, how, many those, how many of those do you have, Matt? Be honest. How no many versions? Yeah, it's like, uh, I have a digital closet full of uh, pro yeah. Bobby Webster stings.
2: Are <laughs>
3: you trying to sound as creepy as possible? I mean,
1: <laughs> All the
0: time. That's the same yeah. deal. <laughs>
1: okay, Alex, we, we already talked about Kawhi uh, a little bit, but I, I want to, you know... I'm going to frame this question as like, first of all, shout out to Murray and Jokic and the Nuggets. Uh, I think they deserve some love here. But, um, you know, we were talking a lot about the Raptors legacy uh, in terms of like, you know, Kawhi carrying us and all that sort of thing. And I I feel like there's been a lot of, I mean, the NBA is full of recency bias. Uh, Anyone who listens to this podcast knows I've been saying Giannis is the best player in the world. Even when we beat him last year, Kawhi was not better. He was not better in the regular season. He still is not better, in my opinion. However, I think a lot of people were like, no, Kawhi is the definitive best player in the world. He cannot make a mistake. He didn't score in the fourth quarter, um, lost in the second round. That's very, very bad. I I don't think LeBron's ever done anything like that. Um, I still love Kawhi. He worked his ass off. He got a title for us. He's an incredible player. What do you think this does to his, like, kind of Mr. Perfect legacy, Alex?
3: Um, okay. I'm just going to acknowledge the obvious bias that, like, between you and I, I think I have warmer feelings towards the man in general than you do. Oh, okay. I feel there, like was, I don't, there was I don't a little him. bit of Fox News undercutting <laughs> on, your, uh, on, your, on your assessment of his – So I'll, okay. Okay. I missed that music, but it sounded like wrestling music. I like it. Uh, yeah, I will say that I think what it does to his legacy is it fucking humanizes him for everybody that says he's a cyborg, because this is what I think happened. Probably if for sure. During that game, I saw for the first time, like, Oh, emotions are affecting this guy's play before i could see like anger driving his play like a like that's okay right i mean we all know it he's just not demonstrative but last night was the first time i was like you don't want to win for these guys you don't want to break your back for them you resent the fuck out of their bullshit that they've done this year and i didn't really wow. think i don't i really think that i, I mean i might be reading too much into it i think he was sitting there like thinking like yeah, maybe he was thinking, like, I had a group of fucking professionals last year. They lived and breathed this shit. And and I think Pat Bev had no and Kyle Lowry. Like, Pat no, nothing PG, like him. Yeah, and Pat Bevin PG clowning other guys when they haven't done anything. <sighs> it's like, who the fuck do you think you are? That speaks to how they're going to play. And you can't see Paul George hitting the side of the backboard and not feel like a little... I don't care who you are and be like, well, oh, I'm excited that this is the guy I've tied my wagon to. But as far as it affects his legacy, I think this is what it affects his legacy on basketball court is the same way people going too much on Pascal right now. It's the exact same thing. If you're going too much on Qui, if you're going too much on Qui right now, what you're basically saying is you're, he's not Jordan and we're, and we're mad about yeah. it. He's not Jordan. He's not. And guess what? The guy is in the same breath as him. Now he's not Jordan. He's not LeBron.
1: You know what I mean? And guess what? Michael Jordan's a human too, who lost seven times in the playoffs.
3: Precisely. So So it's like, you know, that's what anyone who's like quiet, I'm reading some awful tapes, even by smart people. Like, I don't want to say them in case they fucking Luenberg or whoever the fuck, like I'm seeing smart people being like, Oh, he shouldn't have won the MVP for the Spurs series, which is like, no, yes, he should have. Did anyone watch that? Or the infamous like LeBron, uh, GIF of, Quai oh, yeah. checking back in when he's he on the free throw line and he sees it and then goes like, come on, man. Like the guy is still proven himself over the last five years, even with the downtime to be a top 50 basketball player of all time. Let's not fucking pretend this guy is somebody different now because of like, a well, really bad showing. Like, I'm not saying he didn't, he should have <laughs> done something, but I think he was broken by the bullshit of his team. And so I'm not-
1: let me say, honestly, I need I need a bit of a I need a bit of a slap every once in a while, and I was getting a bit you know skip Bayless there. Uh, Kawhi is a legend, um, and I love him forever. Uh, I have a picture of him in my room. Um, but Ennis, uh, yeah. did did Ale- I think Alex kind of nailed it with the with, yeah. Uh, humanized him because like it's almost like the myth of a player can can outgrow their actual abilities, and I yeah. think Kawhi was kind of on that end. Um, and maybe now people are like, "Oh, wait a second, he's amazing." But everyone has, you know, moments where they where they where they can't just overpower, right?
2: Them. Where they have an off game. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna take down 24 hour sports media uh, fan hype and uh, and and team expectations all in one fell swoop. This none of this game is on Kawhi. The man averaged 30 points and 10 rebounds uh, For sure. uh, in the playoffs. He had two games under twenty points. Two games where he had like you could call them poor shooting games. He did every he shot fifty percent, eighty six from free free throw, uh, thirty three from from three, which is a little two two point three steals a game. And that's just that's just uh, statistically what I'm looking at here. Uh, I don't think anything that happened in this series can be attributed to him, and I don't think it, I don't think it affects his legacy at all. I think that the rush to anoint a best player, mm-hmm. and then as a result of that. There must be something wrong with players two to nine or two to fifteen on that list. Is so misguided. It's turning things into a debate that don't even have to be a debate. I watched it, and I mean, listen. I love uh, Stephen A. Smith for the uh, deliberate human cartoon character he tries to be now. Mm -hmm. But there was an an episode of uh, The Jump where it was him and Kendrick Perkins debating. Um, the Celtics lost game six to the Raptors and it was like, do you blame the Celtics or do you uh, credit the Raptors? And each of them had to take a side and then they were arguing it when that does not need to be framed as a debate.
1: yeah, it's And both. all
2: these things, I think all of this gets caught up in it. Like, you know, I, I've had really I mean, smart pa- people Pascal say
1: Pascal Tatum, right?
2: Well, exactly. I mean, first of all, and we have an answer there, by the way, Tatum. I didn't realize Tatum was 22. I thought he was the same age as Pascal. Tatum is a problem. He's terrifying. But, you know, even this whole thing of like, well, he can't be the number one on the championship team. There's like two of those. You know what I mean? And I've had smarter people than me put this out there. How many people are uh, a number one on a championship team. There's one a year. You know what I mean? And and if you look at the last 10 years, it's been LeBron or the Warriors. So it's not like there's been a ton of parity and it's been like a different guy emerging every year with the outliers of like the Mavs winning and uh, you go back as far as the Pistons winning, who didn't really have an alpha, unless we're talking about Chauncey Billups. But all that rush to, to anoint prematurely the best at something then makes... It, like, it's all set up for disappointment. The Philadelphia 76ers, they should be, like, they're on a path, man. Ben Simmons is in, what, his third year? They're still figuring out blow how it to up. play together? Yeah, every year it's blow it up. Like never, never wait. Yeah. McCullers never will blow it up. Right. You got to put the, and, like, the second they traded for uh, George and uh, signed Kawhi was the Clippers are going to win it all. It's L.A. versus L.A. I mean, it showed you a week ago. We were all, like, 3-1 Clippers. That's It's L.A. versus L.A., and look what happened. So anything, it, it's, what's great is that we're looking at, like, nobody had the Nuggets making the Final Four. I don't know who had the Heat making the Final Four, but the Bucks are out, the Sixers are out, the Clippers are out, the Rockets didn't make it out of the first, the second Raptors. round, you know what I mean? Like, Raptors too, I mean, we, Raptors, we're getting a lot of Final Four predictions, but mm-hmm. I think that's the problem. And, I mean, if you're Kawhi, quite frankly, I think it's like, all right, I get to see my kids now, I'll see you next season. But yep. there are, I think there are... if anything, it points to like how good a team Toronto and a culture Toronto had last year. And then maybe adding like Kawhi was an upgrade over DeRozan, right? We already had an A or a 1A, 1B, whatever. Uh, And, and with the emergence of Siakam, it was kind of an embarrassment of riches if you ask me, but on a team that where suddenly everybody had to go down in a pecking order with two guys who not only have to learn to play with each other, but also in a new system, in a new city with all this pressure where, Say, Paul George can say whatever he wants. Everyone was calling it, predicting a championship before they touched the court. So I think that I think it's not. A, I think his legacy is, is fine because he's not LeBron and he's not Michael Jordan and he doesn't have to be. And it was it was people's fault for calling him the greatest of all time before he did this anyway. And it's one bad game. He deserves a bad game. You know what 100%. I mean? He's probably out of oil or or uh nut nuts or whatever he consumes on the on the sidelines. <laughs>
1: Well, it's, you know, it's all part of the the rings or bust Kind of toxic conversation in basketball yeah. um, Let's just do a, a quick last question Before we do um, uh, Before we hit up some quickish questions uh, Give me like a version of a yes or no and, and, and maybe this is a narrative That I'm searching for that is not Quite there uh, And so stick with you sure. If it's like the Lakers and or the Nuggets Versus the Rock or Versus uh, the Heat uh, And or the Celtics are we having, like, is that a big ball, small ball finals? Oh. Or am I, you know, thinking about it too much as, like, the Warriors small ball took over the league and this is, like, the, the kind of, like, the big ball answer back? Well, you know, to be honest. Or is it just kind of for two Frankenstein teams?
2: Well, three of the four final four have uh, dominant centers in different ways, right? I mean, AD, Jokic, and uh, Adebayo. And Boston's kind of the only. I mean, they played tight enough. I know he's not. He's undersized for the rest of them, but he can clearly hang in games with players that are bigger than him. Uh, so I don't know that the small ball thing, as it as it existed, is has taken up. Like, is I don't know who goes small. I don't know if you can go small. You're taking away too too big an option. Like, Adebayo's going to be charged with shutting down the biggest guy on or the biggest most athletic guy on. Uh, I guess it's Tatum on the Celtics, right? But it's going to be him versus Davis, Davis versus Jokic. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Uh, they're still tall, by the way. There is no
1: small ball. I know, it's, know? it's 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 more like skill ball. Uh,
2: okay, let, let me. But again, re- even that, even this notion, like it's a way to play. But I think ultimately, if the Houston Rockets had had like a Whiteside or a canter as a just in case that series might have gone longer. You know, against the Lakers, they had zero options for Anthony Davis. That's like, kind of nuts I- to me. It's not fair <laughs> to PJ Tucker. It's not fair to Robert Covington.
1: That's where I'm going, though. Is this? Um, in like a referendum? Yeah. Is it a bit of a referendum on like, you know, the Rockets? The Rockets were like, guess what? We don't have a big guy. And the yeah. Lakers were like, guess what? We beat you in five. Yeah. So it's a little bit of like, is that is that a real thing? or?
2: I think it's clear it, that a big dominant force underneath that can also do things so. that are expected. I mean, Jokic is one of the best passers and point guards in the league. All these guys can hit threes, you know, like... Uh, Embiid, as well as in that conversation, there's a uh, towns and all these, all these big men that are excellent that are doing m- more than what was expected of a big man in like the 90s or the aughts. But no, I, I, yeah, I think maybe if you're looking at the Rockets as an example, it feels like if they at least had a guy, even if they had Cantor just to put his arms up, you know what I mean? Something like as a guy get named Dennis, get like, some
1: O Reebs and then like rub his shoulder, like Alex, yeah, right,
2: yeah, his, um, his, his shoulder is still not okay, <laughs> Alex, yeah. I, I, yeah.
1: Yeah. Where, where, where are you at? Uh, you know, is this like a actual conversation or am I just making up a question?
3: <laughs> I think you're right, but it's just in response to something that wasn't an actual conversation. And it was an, aberra- an aberration because it's the golden state warriors won't be repeated because they were a magical unison of the two best shooters of all time. You know, every team doesn't have that. So everyone trying to play like that. And then D'Antoni I mean, he's going to go bring that shit somewhere else now, so there will be another team doing it, right? Like, he's leaving. Um, I think, to answer your question, the league is probably just remembered, and hopefully everyone will remember, like, oh, right, an inside-outside game is actually how, what, 90% of the titles have been won since 1980, like, at least. Uh, and I think Jokic and Murray are reminding people of that. And then LeBron's mm. a freak who plays everywhere, but him and AD as well. And then Miami's just a really balanced team with, a uh, guys of all different kinds of like basketball makeup and guys that can fucking. I mean, and and then I think the Celtics are the ones still probably maybe right now proving like no no, no the nerds are right play like nerds. But but I think there's the, my the best time for basketball and not just because I was like you know my kid I was a kid watching and shit is the '90s still because. There was talent all over the league, and people played different styles. That's what was cool. It was like, oh, are we going to have like a run and gun tonight? Are we going to have the Knicks that are just going to like gussy this shit up in the paint, and like the Rockets doing that too? Like people played. Remember, different remember
2: the styles. Cavs? The Cavs used to just be the team that you'd be like, they're just going to bore the hell out of you and play slow, methodically. Like the scores would be so low when you played them, but that was their thing: was to yeah. slow shit up.
3: Where like I think uh, we return that now where yeah. instead of this instead of the whole I, league always trying to copy one format, you know, we could have the league being like, everyone's trying to just do play their own style now again.
1: There's yeah. you know what there, yeah, there's some of that. Um but uh yeah, I think I think I've, I'm feeling good. We, we got a bunch of quickish questions, so I, I want to hit this up. Are, are you guys ready to answer some questions as fast as you can? Wait, we'll and like can I say one
2: thing up? about D'Antoni? Mm-hmm. Isn't it fucked that he's gone now? Like, what does that team look like? What what do they do? Like, do, is it do they regret all of it? Did do, do they try to get? Do you immediately try to trade Covington? And also, Tucker went to that team to play with Paul and did it for what like a year, and then. Paul went away. Like all these things happen with these big expectations of the win now. And then what what are the, I don't understand that team is not built for anybody to coach except for
1: Danton. Well, and and, then the like I'll add to that too. The problem is um, they were messing with his assistant coaches almost as soon as he got there, they kept firing his his favorite defensive guy. And then he kept convincing them to come back. So I think sometimes uh, like franchises look like they spend a lot, but they, they save on like coaches and development and like really kind of where it matters. Yeah. And then you have, yeah. Like a, a guy, like Dan Tony, it's like, I'm too old. Like I want to coach with my team, um, like with my team of coaches. And if you like, you know, I'm not, I'm not desperate enough that I'll just stay here forever with you guys continuing to mess with me.
2: And I also say one thing just about the bubble, uh, you know, all this analysis is fun and it's been great to be able to not think about serious things for a while, even though, you know, uh, try as we might, uh, reminders of these players' humanity gets, uh, you know, uh, thrown in our faces. Uh, Mm -hmm. More so now, I think there's a bravery to it to be this. Like when George, when Paul George admitted he was depressed and anxious uh, about what's going on in the world and, uh, you know, the police brutality and the racism in America, the anti-black racism... Uh, and just everything else. And the fact that these guys are away from their families. Like I think about Siakam, I don't think I saw him smile on the court for the whole playoffs. And this guy is usually like just bouncing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think on one level, it's not that there should be an asterisk, but asterisk, it's um, um, an asterisk, but uh, more than any season, I think the humanity of these players and what was expected of them, the burden placed on them, you know what I mean, even the crazy choice to like to to try to boycott and strike and I just think it's all swirling around there and you just would be remiss not to remember that these are uh, people uh, sometimes being directly affected by uh, anti-black racism and just in general the politics of trying to be the face of a progressive league and you know what I mean, but also still playing a game while also having financial responsibilities and also having fans chirping them on Twitter, you know what I mean So it's just something about it's just an impressive league in general, and it's been fun to be able to just analyze it on sports alone. But this is why when people get nasty about Siakam and, you know, I I laugh because Trey Burke hung 30 on the Clippers in the first round. It was like he wasn't on a team two months ago. But if you're going to start attacking their, you know, their humanity, you've gone too far.
1: No, it's a, it's a, it's a great point. And it's been like such a privilege, I think, for hardcore fans to be able to see the league hit it on so many levels and, and, and the bravery that we've seen all over the place. And, you know, obviously the WNBA shout out, you know, is just like also leading the way. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's been emotional and powerful and, uh, incredible. And again, we're, we're so privileged to be kind of like analyzing the X's and O's, um, and appreciating like a deep playoff run within, uh, within a year where there was a plague. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, but you know what? I I feel like we got some, some craziness left. So let's, let's hit up. Let's do some quickish questions. Uh, Maddie I feel like you're ready I don't know if you are but you look ready <laughs> oh, give that quickish question sting quickish question
2: an ironically long sting yeah, but,
1: uh, <laughs> oh there's oh, yeah. a lot of ironic parts about quickish questions
2: um, like <laughs> yeah, the biggest
1: really one I can't, I can't read ahead. well it's good <laughs> <laughs> so uh here's how it's gonna go i'm gonna read the uh, these questions as, as quickly and as clearly and as stutter free as possible um stretching you're all gonna answer you, you know you don't think aloud you just fire away you know phoning a friend don't stall Ooh. uh you just gotta come at me with an answer as quick as you can oh dear
0: uh, are you all ready? Yeah. Matt, yeah Matt's <laughs> yes, not ready. Yes, yes, yes. Before we start, I'm a staller. I want to
3: say the last time I did Quickest Questions, I took a good three-second pause before I answered, but then my answer went on to be, I think OG Ananobi can be our big shot three at the end of the game, guy. So okay. I my own pace for Quickest Questions.
1: Fair enough, but that <laughs> Honestly. pace per OG should be 0.5 seconds. <laughs> it should be half so, a second. Yeah, you don't need three seconds. You need 0.5 um, Crazy.
2: That's we a good a buzzer. We need a buzzer for this category, by the yeah. way. Like, okay, be able to buzz people out.
1: Here we go. Let's do this. Let's let's go. Um, let's do a little. Uh, Matt, Alex, Ennis. Oh, me right. first. Ready.
0: Oh, yeah. Jesus.
1: Like you first, because that's uh, okay. You know what? No, uh, I throw. Okay, we'll no, do no, it. stick with it. No, no, it's okay. Stick with it. I was going by the Zoom. Yeah, Zoom. yeah. To the stick with it. Stick with it. Here we go. Okay, Matt. Yeah. Do you feel bad for Kawhi? No. Alex, who goes to the finals and who will win it all?
3: Lakers, Heat, Lakers.
1: Ennis. (laughs) <laughs> Are we worried about Serge Ibaka, about Serge Ibaka's ties to Harden and Westbrook and that James said basically that the Rockets want him? Do we still have the best chance to resign, resign Serge, even though Nick Nurse didn't play him in a crucial late-game situations in Game 6 and Game 7? Ibaka looked like he really wanted to be out there.
2: Uh, I'm worried now, and I <laughs> hope so.
1: Well, this is worried now, folks. Um, Okay, Matt. uh, Also, uh, it's the person's second question. Also, why if all season NBA teams tout depth in bench and such, but when the playoffs start, they go to short rotations of seven? Meanwhile, the depth is unused, and by the end of a seven-game series, all the primary players are gassed. Why couldn't Nurse insert Rondé to check Tatum and Brown at times to give Pascal... Uh, a breather. Every time uh, FVV looked overwhelmed by the Boston uh, game, put TD into match energy. Play Boucher against Robert Williams III. Dude. And that Thomas did not look like a liability in any way in his minutes played. I personally blame Coach Nurse, who I am glad we signed to a multi extension for not utilizing the depth of his team.
0: Comment? Uh, i just like to say. <laughs> The, if, this, this
2: premise, this whole this whole segment is—you just ended it there. Uh, you, need to, you
0: need a reboot of this of this segment. Uh, <laughs> do you have a comment? Well, I, I will say that if if it, you're asking, you know, based on a decision that Nick Nickner should have made and didn't, I think that uh, it's been rumored that he has been uh, playing uh, at night way too many Chicago songs that are very long. And uh, he's not focusing enough on his playbook, and you know uh, he's coming to the games a bit tired. No one really knows that.
1: Great answer! Don't play the Chicago the Musical on your guitar. <laughs>
0: no, the band.
1: Oh,
2: oh I, I assume I, I you meant like twenty-five <laughs> or six to four.
1: <laughs> I, I, we all interpreted that a different way. That's good, Alex. Saturday um, if you're LBW, which I can't figure out who that is. How many years slash dollars do you offer Fred to stay? Serge, Mark, do you offer anything to Mark? Keeping in mind that salary cap will likely decrease.
3: So LBW stands for Little Bobby Webster. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm going to say Fred. Yeah, I mean, I like right what I had it right what Anna said. So I'm going to, it sounds like a nice round number. It's four years 80. For Surge, I mean, I know that this is like, I just think he loves the city. This is ambitious, but that's four at 10. I really would love if Ooh. he takes it. And that's a discount, obviously, but not even that much. And he, it's, I love him. Uh, Mark, like I said, I just, I can't because the free agency class is coming up. In a perfect world, we, if we, you know what I mean? We, But you can't. I don't offer him anything. Unless he says to me, I'm coming for the league minimum. Then I'm like, you have a role on this team at that. But if he even wants six a year, it's like, no, bro. Sorry.
1: Ennis. Yes. Further down the bench, Rondé, mm-hmm. Miller, and Boucher are free agents. What yeah. would you do with them?
2: Uh, resign Rondé, resign Boucher.
1: See you later, Miller. Matt. Yes. Yes. What is the best sign and trade destination for Giannis at the end of the next at uh, the end of next season if he doesn't sign a supermax and the Bucks uh, crash out of the playoffs again it could be Raptors or non-Raptors
0: I think that the the right answer is the Toronto Raptors I think that he would be a great fit here and I do think that uh, you know the Raptors should be what the Montreal Canadiens were to French players in like the 70s and 80s we get all the You know the foreign players, all the top ones. So I want, I want Jokic, I want Giannis, I want Ben Simmons. I love it,
1: Uh, Alex. Which team regrets trading all their picks more? The Clippers (laughs) and the Rockets.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. I got to live with this question for as long as I possibly can. That's good. Fuck. Um, it still has to be Houston because they are an absolute now. As uh, Ennis demonstrated earlier, what the, who coaches that team? They're so screwed, and the Clippers will still be a title favorite next year. But for right now,
2: it's Houston. Which picks? Ennis. What, what did they trade? By the way, can I just tell How many picks did the Rockets give up in that deal?
1: Oh, the Rockets and the Clippers have traded like over the. Years. I know the Clippers. I know. I know
2: the All Clippers. All
1: of their trade. picks, like
3: right I, to get
2: in, getting Harden and in getting. Uh, oh yeah, Westbrook. and TJ Tucker,
3: like everybody got like. Yeah.
1: You have to go through, but I bet you the Rockets have like two or three second-round picks in like eight years. Wow. Um, Tucker was a free agent, wasn't he? He was. They saw uh, he signed with uh, Houston instead oh, of Toronto. instead of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah whatever. Um. And, but yeah. Okay. A lot. What would happen to your wrist slash arm slash body if you tried to block a dunk like Bam did last night?
2: Uh, I think it would rip off at the shoulder
0: and go into (laughs) the net with the ball.
1: That's perfect. Um, Matt. Yeah. Who is the next player to get kicked out of the bubble for doing something dumb, and what will they be kicked out for?
0: Um... Oh, boy. Okay, I think it's going to be someone on the Lakers. I'm feeling like it's going to be, like, Rondo. And he's going to break curfew to go, like, paddleboarding in some kind of, like, alligator pit.
1: Ha! Ennis. Or, I mean, sorry, Alex. Uh, I'm just so excited by the alligator pit. Um, (laughs) Alex, if we had done a true run it back with both Kawhi and Danny Green returning... How far would we have gotten into this year's playoffs?
3: (sighs) The Lebronto narrative would have been rewritten. uh, And uh, yeah, no, they would have won it. I think that's pretty obvious. I don't think that can be. I think uh, everyone's saying that. That's every take I saw after last night. Like, they would have won. The Raptors would have won.
1: 100%. Ennis, why am I so mad about the Pascal bashing? Uh, and then uh, the writer says, relative to innumerable other dumb takes.
2: Oh, uh, well, because it's like uh, it's so entitled and all getting super racist at a weird time, I think, is what happens. Like, he went from uh, backup benchmark three years ago to, oh, now he starts. Oh, he can contribute. Oh, most approved player next year. Oh, he's in the most approved category again. You don't have Kawhi. Look at this. He's filling 23 points a game, starts in the All Star game. Three years ago, he had done nothing, and nobody expected any of this. And all of a sudden, he has one run of bad shooting games, which can be explained by very—you know what I mean? People get the yips. People get in their heads. He seemed—it seems pretty clear. Like you know, it's, he's not injured. Obviously, he can play that defense. And I think that uh, again, it's, it's a problem with like something has to be wrong if they didn't win. The guy's going to learn from it. He's going to hit more shots. He's going to learn triple spin moves. He's going to be doing lutzes and sau cows. And we'll be back in the deep in the playoffs
1: next year. I was angry. He started over Luis Scola and Jared Soldier. <laughs> so enough said.
2: Yeah, I really was upset about that. Get Chuck Hayes back here.
1: Oh, yeah, Matt. I mean, you're, Matt's loving you right now. Chuck Hayes, mm-hmm. Bobby Webster. What next? Oh, he gave me <laughs> the hand. Uh, Matt, when will the Raptors next play a home game? Thinking about the Blue Jay border crossing slash 14-day quarantine situation
0: oh man um that's a great question i i really don't i i don't know i don't know do we know who knows we don't know i can i don't i can't
1: hey that's an acceptable answer
0: (laughs) yeah alex
1: jamal murray is from kitchener besides him and blackberries yes i know that's waterloo (laughs) shut up did anything (laughs) good come from that city
3: uh, I'm pretty sure Kitchener Waterloo has a uh, city ban on plastic water bottles.
0: Oh, take that, Yao, who was on the pod last week, and Master um,
1: T. Master wait, Master B or Master T is from like yeah. VJ. Master T is from yeah, he Kitch- grew up in Kitchener. Sick. Venice. Last question it's of the pod.
2: It's a pit factory out there. Yes. <laughs>
1: if Nick nurse had coached this Clippers team, would they have gone to the finals?
2: You're just suggesting something that would never, ever have happened. I think the premise of the question, I refuse to acknowledge because (laughs) he would, he would never leave the Raptors to go to the Clippers. Why would anyone do that?
1: Correct. Correct. Thank you. Um, buddies, that's the pod. This was a really, really fun one. This is a really fun season. Uh, For anyone who's uh, who's listened thank you so much it's we're gonna obviously keep going in the off season but um uh alex i'll start with you i know you're you're doing shows man people can go watch you uh wow uh yeah safely um uh alex uh what's what's going on like this is going to come out uh on the 17th
3: i do shows in my backyard i have the backyard comedy club it's Every Friday and Saturday, West End of Toronto, five minutes from Jane Station, where everything's outside. People wear masks when they're not seated. It's like a big hit in the neighborhood. Shows coming up in the next little bit include Nathan McIntosh from Conan O'Brien and Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and a bunch of other stuff. And and, uh, all the best comics have done it. Juno nominees, come out, check it out. Look Mm -hmm. it on Eventbrite.
1: (laughs) Huge, huge. I like it. Ennis, um what's up uh you're you're in you're in toronto we, we played tennis yeah. uh two weeks ago we <laughs>
2: tennis. That's about just,
1: it. just bragging i played tennis no worries yeah um, yeah no, it was good it was good uh
2: good
1: i lost uh you know what i lost horribly but i actually played well i i, I didn't win one set you know what i'm and it's this is time for you to promote yourself not Did you want to
2: kids or anything else you wanted to plug freddie nothing
1: <laughs> i'm bad at tennis so sorry i yeah. brought it up
2: um uh, I don't you know no just uh, I've been fortunate enough to get a couple of little jobs uh, I'm not supposed to talk about yet uh, that I'm working a little bit keeping distance please wash your hands. and also uh, you know there's a big debate about whether or not the the, the the NBA would still have leverage to make change if they had actually walked on the season period and not mm-hmm. played in the playoffs. and I just I guess as fans I would challenge uh, us all to keep the same energy and keep following the initiatives of and the, the messages of the players. And not detached from uh, the uh, racial unrest. I saw a great tweet that was like, uh, <laughs> it was, like it "Was like white people love to refer to uh, what's happening now as everything that's going on." And it's not just white people; I do it too, right? Because you don't know what are you supposed to call it. You know what I mean? But or, uh, or, or
1: yeah, the George Floyd situation as
2: opposed yeah, to or the situation yeah, you know, calling, calling it racial unrest doesn't feel right and. Uh, but I mean, I think in general, just keep paying attention to things that these players have been bringing to our attention. And, you know, I know I've learned a ton in the last six months and, yep, uh, and I just, I would say while a lot of it's distressing and painful and horrible every day, um, think about the players and uh, and support them. That's it. Just support them as people.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'll yeah. just say, uh, I'll, I'll just jump on that too. Like, this is my own personal opinion, but I really feel like the more you engage, your capacity for empathy does grow and build. Yeah. And if you're someone out there who's has nervous feelings about being an ally or you don't want to be wrong, just know that you will. And that's totally fine. And that's part of the process. And that's part of learning is being vulnerable. So, so put yourself yeah. out there and... Um, yeah.
2: Oh, I guess I would also like, like to plug uh, the Encampment Support Network, which is a grassroots organization in Toronto fighting for the rights of unhoused uh, um, residents of a lot of the encampments you're seeing where there's tents all over the city. They're being taken out of their own, you know, the, whatever they're trying to forge ahead as homes um, by the city and the politics that are kind of marginalizing and forgetting about them uh, during covid and uh if you follow uh look them up the encampment sport network on instagram they're constantly looking for volunteers and donations and uh again just there's been no lack of ways to think about people who don't have it as good as you do and i think that's a good thing for all of us hell
1: yeah um well
2: uh, also alex i'd love to come to your show i didn't mean that it's not a contest
3: no 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 no. also check out (laughs) black creek farms in toronto man they do like uh they grow their own vegetables and give them out to people that live in the Jane and Finch area. that can't afford it. It's like, if you're like woke on climate change and the, uh, everything that's going on, it's like a three birds with one stone. If you want to volunteer or donate, it's black Creek farms. Awesome. And, uh, we've uh, done a couple of the backyard shows have been a benefit for them. So. Amazing.
1: Hell yeah. Um, Guys, what about you? Is Matt plugging anything? Matt, are you? Well, well, I don't
0: know, Matt. What's up?
2: When is your state album of stings coming out? Uh, (laughs)
0: uh, I don't really have anything to plug. Uh, You know, I did uh, just buy a dartboard, so maybe I'll be starting a winter league. Uh, If uh, you don't want to go to the bars, I'll try to find a way to socially distance it. He'll uh, he'll bring the dartboard to you. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I've made my own uh, backboard for it with some insulation foam, so we won't make any holes in your uh, wall or brick outside. And uh, we can wow. have a good time. Holy yeah. shit! Let me know. <laughs> Let me know if you're for your well, comedy really shows. Like if you, like you want to do a warm up. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt. Matt, you're not an
1: asshole. Matt was ready and waiting to plug that dartboard. <laughs> Just check it out. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, that's it's, you actually, got a, two- it's a nice. Word, it's I can't see it? I can't
0: see it. Huge is regulation. Oh yeah, no, it's. Uh, for- oh, there it
3: is! I see it. You see
0: it? You yeah. You really protected that wall against strays. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a little bit, I don't have much experience. So, you know, I got to uh, protect the wall and, uh, but yeah, it's all legit. I got the line over here and, uh, it's five foot eight to the, uh, bullseye. Ready to go. Are you uh, oh. free at
2: three, 3.00 PM tomorrow? I'd love to get a game.
0: In. You know what? Take, take the old go train down to new market and, uh, yeah, let's have a game of cricket. All
1: right. Deal. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nail on the head. Bullseye.
0: That's it for
1: the pod. Thank you all for listening.
0: Hello. Anyone around here to speak basketball? There it is. It's, it's the, the Confederacy, Confederacy of Dunks, of Dunks basketball, basketball Podcast. Podcast.